0: here at NapaBroadcasting.com. Even folks from Napa have to go somewhere else on a vacation. Sure, the south of France and the Amalfi Coast is ideal, but if you don't want to stray as far, perhaps the Monterey Peninsula is a nice alternative. Napa Broadcasting takes a look at a few things happening on the Monterey Peninsula, including food, new winemakers, lots of golf, and even a 15-year-old making high-grade commercial honey. We begin with the peninsula's largest hotel as we talk with David Lambert, the Vice President of Sales and Marketing for the Hyatt Regency Monterey. Dave, share some of the long history of the Hyatt Regency Monterey. It's been around a long time. It came
1: out of the ground originally as the um, old Mark Thomas Inn. And that was right on Highway 1, which now is Mark Thomas Drive, and you cross over that as you enter the property. It became a Hyatt Hotel in 1969. And it was the old Del Monte Hyatt House. Um, And, of course, it sits on the old Del Monte Golf Course, which is owned and operated by the Pebble Beach Company. And over the years, it has grown um, and spread from the the far northern end of the property, the old Mark Thomas Inn, all the way up to uh, today it encompasses 550 guest rooms in – 30 separate buildings. Sits on 22 acres, uh, about 40,000 square feet of meeting space. Largest hotel on the Monterey Peninsula. Largest hotel between San Jose and Los Angeles.
0: You know, everybody likes to categorize things. When you think of the hotel, is it a resort hotel, a business hotel, a little of both? Talk a little bit about how you sell it, how you you categorize the hotel.
1: Thank you. It's uh, over the years, many iterations of the name. It, at one point, Jeff, it was the High Regency Monterey Hotel and Conference Center. At one time, it was the High Regency Monterey Resort and Spa, and now we're uh, we're titled High Regency Monterey Hotel and Spa. The way we sell it, it depends on who you are. We are a 60-40, this is a little hotel lingo, <laughs> uh, 60-40 transient group uh, house. So 60% of our uh, business is transient, and that can be made up of, Anything from uh, the traveling salesmen coming through town to uh, the family uh, spending a week with us in, in the summertime. And then group business, 40%. So it's kind of like two hotels. Between, golly, between Memorial Day and Labor Day, this hotel runs a little over 99.5%, and it's basically transient business. Vacationers and... Uh, Attendees to some of the big time summer events, uh, Car Week in August, and things like that. But basically, a transient hotel after Labor Day into September, all the way through uh, second week of uh, you know, May, I'll say, pretty much a group house.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Weekends are weekends are not exclusively transient, but we will sell out just about every weekend all year long. So, as a uh, as a transient hotel. Jeff, for, for your, uh, your listeners, um, easy access to all the sites and attractions uh, of the Monterey Peninsula. You're minutes away from downtown, a couple minutes from uh, Carmel-by-the-Sea, go a little further and make a left-hand turn on Carmel Valley Road and you'll be in Carmel Valley and, and the, the wine tasting rooms. 45 minutes to uh, an hour and 15 minutes, depending on how far you're going, you're in Big Sur and it's uh it's just so easily um accessible Mm -hmm. you're not driving through downtown and all that easy on uh freeway uh access and for the group uh attendee jeff it's uh, a little bit different we want to keep them here we have a coined an expression for the group market there are attractions and there are distractions and so when you come to the monterey uh hyatt regency monterey hotel and spa for a meeting, you are going to be uh, in the best meeting space on the Monterey Peninsula, and then you're also on a, almost a campus-like uh, environment where you're moving in and out of doors, you're, uh, you're inspired by the quietness of the golf course and not the, you know, the hustle-bustle of a high tower hotel that you never seem to be able to escape during your three-day meeting
0: and in fact the golf course is right out in the backyard exactly the old del
1: monte uh the oldest operating golf course west of the mississippi and owned and operated by the pebble beach uh company so those those are pebble beach fairways pebble beach greens pebble beach traps but not really the price point of a of obviously the links of Pebble Beach or Spyglass uh, or uh, Spanish Bay. Pretty accessible that way as well, and $135 on a weekend with a cart.
0: Tell us about some of the other golf opportunities that are really close by. We're
1: moments from, of course, steps from the Del Monte, uh, beautiful little uh, municipal course right down the road, a piece of Monterey Pines, and if you go up the freeway a little bit, up to Ford Ord, you're at Bannett and Black Horse, and those are highly respected uh, uh, courses, host to PGA event, national PGA events, and gosh, Pebble Beach, of course, with the the, the, the courses I just mentioned. Go a little bit uh, up into the uh, Del Monte Forest, and you're at um, Poppy Hills, mm-hmm. which is, gosh, all been rebuilt and is just marvelous. That's and that's just to name a few. We haven't even talked about, you know, going down into uh, Carmo Valley and the Quail Lodge and Carmel Valley Ranch and goes on and on.
0: Napa has over 500 wineries, but if you want to get a sense of what it was like way back when, when so many of those wineries were starting out, just listen to Josh and Julie Ruiz as they talk about their fledgling wine effort, Twisted Roots Winery. Josh, you started this essentially as a hobby.
2: Yeah, that's correct. You know, um, I was uh, completely stressed out of my mind at my day job and, uh, I was looking for something to get my mind off of work. And I loved wine, loved drinking wine, didn't know anything about it, but loved it. And Julie's family um, had a vineyard and they weren't making wine from it. So uh, I was very interested in that. And her uncle, myself and her father, uh, we all just started fooling around essentially and uh, having fun with, you know, trying to learn how to teach ourselves to make wine. And it went from there.
0: Julie, tell us about your family had this vineyard, but really wasn't doing very much with it. Well, we've always been using the vineyard, but
2: we've been growing the grapes for commercial use, just not our label. So we would go to Napa and other Lodi labels. So we've always been farming the land. Just
3: we've never had our own label for the family.
0: Josh, how does one go about learning how to be a winemaker? Talk about what you (laughs) did to, what was your learning curve like?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a steep, that's for sure. So, um, I'm very much a hands on kind of guy uh, and uh, you know I was uh, Julie and I met at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and uh, one of the mottos is "Learn by doing," and so that's exactly what we did. We just jumped in head first and um, we you know we read a lot of books and asked a lot of questions from a lot of friends and experts uh, quote unquote in the industry and and, um, you know, we made a lot of mistakes along the way, but that's okay. I, I'm a big believer of mistakes are really the best way for me to learn. And um, once you make them, you won't make them again.
0: And what kind of wine are you making, Josh?
2: Yeah, so we uh, primarily focus on the grapes that come off of the family property. Uh, we start out with the Chardonnay, which is our only white uh, grape on the property. And then we have a Cabernet, uh, and we have a Petit Syrah, and then we have two different uh, Zins on the property. Um, we call Young Zin and Old Zin, and we primarily only focus on the Old Zin, and that Old Zin is the original planting uh, from 1918 that still exists today.
0: Tell us a little bit about the wine that you're making and a little bit about how you're going about it.
2: Sure, yeah. So, uh, again, I'll start at the top with the Chardonnay. Um, I'm, I'm more a red wine kind of guy than a white wine uh, kind of guy, and so when I make the Chardonnay and, and what I'm focused on with my Chardonnay is uh, trying to make something simple and light and uh, trying to find you know kind of follow that old Chablis style in the sense of not a lot of um, oak or butter or steel, or you know, no craziness. It's just a very mild, easy, simple Chardonnay. And, and I think, again, that the art of Chablis, that, that simplicity and cleanliness is, is kind of lost uh, in some things these days, and, and that's kind of what I focus on there. Um, our Cabernet, uh, also a little unique in the sense that It's not a real big tannic Cabernet. It's not a big bodied Cabernet. It's uh, I always tell people it's all the fruit of a Cabernet without that big harshness and and bite sometimes that Cabernets can have. But on the flip side, this is a Cabernet you know that doesn't necessarily hold up well to to food as, as you know some others do and. And it's a so it's suited for a little bit different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, our Petite Sirah, which is truly my passion, my favorite first wine uh, we ever made. Um, I think highly highly underrated as a grape, just in, in general, you know. And uh, when done right, uh, we feel like ours is big and bold without harshness, and it's got lots of big raspberry and blackberry. And this is more of our mealtime type of wine that that we produce. Um, and I, it's inky, it's dark, and it's big, and and I. I can't drink enough of it, that's for sure. (laughs) I I really enjoy that one. We finish it all off with the Old Vine Zen, which we call the 1918 Old Vine Zen. Um, 1918, because that's when it was planted, of course. Next year, we get ready to celebrate our 100-year anniversary, and uh, we got lots of uh, exciting things coming uh, around that. But this is a delicate little Zen. Um, As old Zins go, this is a lighter body, lighter colored, lighter fruit, and just a little tiny bit of spice on the finish. So it's, uh, you know, again, something different. And because I'm... um, Uh, self-trained winemaker. I think all of our wines are just a little bit different than the norm, so to speak, but that's uh, kind of the way we like.
0: Where is your tasting room located, and how can people find out more information about Twisted Roots?
2: Yeah, so um, uh, first thing I'll tell you is we have a website, Facebook and uh, Instagram, uh, Twisted Roots Vineyard or Twisted Roots Winery. Either one will get you there, and that can, you know, shed a lot of information on what we're doing. Our tasting room is out in Carmel Valley um, and uh, in the Village, And we have a lot of exciting things going there as well. Um, We just uh, recently are taking over the entire space and getting ready to go into reconstruction and and redesign here and make the uh, tasting room space, uh, indoor space, a lot larger and and add some new features. And we've got a great outdoor patio for the spring and summertime, uh, kind of a European style patio with fountains and things. And it's uh, so, internet and our tasting room are our primary locations for uh, getting our wine. We're so small at the moment that we only have one or two outlets, um, you know, uh, retail outlets uh, in the Salinas-Monterey area. Mm -hmm. Not a lot. So the primary source is is the
0: tasting room. Julie, talk a little bit about how this has grown to be more than a hobby at this point.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it started off with my husband, my dad, and my uncle just enjoying each other's company and making wine. And then all of a sudden it was, well, we're going to open a tasting room. And I was like, oh, that's wonderful and now it's a it's a full blown gig. It's um, we're really enjoying it and we're learning about wine and we're learning about the industry and we're all just literally learning as we're going along and it's uh it's officially now a job. It is it is still fun, so we're we're very fortunate to say we still enjoy having it, but uh, it has officially reached the job line a <laughs> bit of a hobby.
0: And as far as hobbies go, the Ponure Peninsula is home to the Carmel Honey Company. What started out as a hobby, really just a school project for 15-year-old Jake Riesdorf. Today is far more. Jake, tell us a little bit about how your honey company got started from what was originally a little school project about web design.
3: Yeah, it actually uh, started off as a uh, school project when I was supposed to be a website designer. And I designed a website about honeybees. Really got into honeybees, decided to keep them, and it kind of just took off. Now we keep over 125 hives uh, down and around Como Valley and all over California.
0: So, Jake, tell us how this went from a school project to a company that's now producing multiple products made from your honey.
3: Yeah, you know, um, actually, it kind of was supposed to be a career project when uh, the teacher was supposed to, you know, walk around the room and gave us, you know, oh, you're a website designer, oh, you're going, oh, you're a building contractor, and we were supposed to figure out, you know, what they did on a day-to-day basis and what they were all about, and uh, I got picked to be a website designer, and I took a few classes about bees and honey, and uh, really gotten into them. I'm like, wow, these, these little insects are so cool. I really want to start keeping them. So I started doing that. And then, uh, with the support of, uh, from peers, you know, teachers, friends, and, uh, everyone was like, oh, this is so cool. You should really start, you know, doing this and selling this, uh, selling your product. And I'm like, you know what, why not? Let's go for it. So we started selling it at farmer's markets. And, uh, now we do uh high-end specialty food shows. And, uh, we also have a store in downtown Cormel and Cormel Plaza So if you. Uh, Feel free to come by and visit that, and uh, come check us out.
0: What was the first product that you put out?
3: Uh, we actually started off with wildflower um, and uh, a wildflower honey. We have four different varietals: we have uh, wildflower, sage, orange blossom, and meadow foam. We started off with a wildflower that's the most local to the area and that's actually kind of like a, a blend or a, uh, as a multiple different, uh, the bees go out and collect multiple different flowers, uh, the nectar sources and bring that back. And uh, that was the first time we started off with and we started experimenting with uh, different size jars and we ended up with having a, uh, a small three ounce, a uh, medium eight ounce and a large 12 ounce.
0: And what are some of the other products that you're producing now?
3: So uh, yeah, well, we actually are starting to do quite a few, uh, different things. Our main thing, of course, that we do is honey. We also do logo gear and we just came out with uh, some soaps and as well as wax candles, uh, which you can all find at the store. But uh, honey is kind of a centerpiece. That's uh, really what we are all about, bringing the real best raw honey uh, from all these uh, different locations and kind of bringing you the best honey in the world. That's kind of our tagline that we have going. Mm -hmm. And uh, so right now it's only in California, but we are hoping to expand. How big do you hope your company gets? Uh, World domination. We want to, you know, take (laughs) over everything. (laughs) Um, well, you know, we're just, I'm riding now for, you know, as long as I can go. I'm w- with the business and I'm trying to improve it in every way possible. I'm really just, uh, I'm with it. I'm in it now. I've jumped in with both feet and my family has too. And, uh, it's just, it's just amazing, you know. It's crazy that it's taken us this far, and we hope to keep going with it.
0: How do you manage to balance school and schoolwork with taking care of a growing business?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, I still do school, and uh, I'm actually a freshman. Um, I'm 15, and uh, it's kind of, I find that sometimes kind of tough. But uh, I uh, really, my school life and my business life are quite separate. You know, after school, I usually go down to the store or go and keep hives, uh, check the hives out. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, uh, you know, come home and, you know, after that, do homework and, uh, do normal kid stuff. I ha- still hang out with my friends and, uh, have fun and have my friends over and such. But, uh, other than that, it's, you know, the business and I'm just really trying to grow my own brand, you know, uh, my brand name, and the company.
0: And what do your friends think of all of this?
3: Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, whenever they're like, hey, come over and hang out with me, I'm like, nah, I got B stuff to do, and they're like, oh, there it goes again. <laughs> but uh, other than that, they uh, they think it's cool, and they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's so cool, and just kind of... I'm glad you're on the side, but um, to me, it's uh, a lot, lot more,
0: and uh, it's part of my life now. Jake Riesdorf, it's the Carmel Honey Company. You can find more information at carmelhoneycompany.com. And no trip to the Monterey Peninsula or any vacation away from the Napa Valley would be complete without some great restaurants to go to. So we went back to get more advice from David Lambert of the Hyatt Regency food
1: scene here on the peninsula has just uh, gotten better and better and better. Here at the hotel, our uh, our three-meal restaurant is Tusca Restaurante. Chef t- chef and his team, you know, do what most of the kitchens uh, here on the peninsula do and make the most of the bounty of the neighborhood. Of course, we're, you know, right here in the fields of Salinas and all. So uh, casual fare, very good, uh, three meals a day. And then that uh, that restaurant is supplemented by Knuckles Sports Bar, 27 televisions, 20 uh, beers on tap. Here at the hotel, that is um, the lobby bar, and I say this without hesitation, the best live jazz music. Our director of jazz, Dr. David Morwood, who uh, Dr. Morwood is a, a plastic surgeon of note here in Monterey. and. He has connections all over the country, all over the world, and you just never know who he is going to bring in on a Friday or Saturday night. And that kind of has its roots going all the way back to um, the Monterey Jazz Festival, right. of course, which is in its, uh, uh, we, we, are we in uh, 59th year, 60th year, excuse me, and um, the... Uh, you know, this is home kind of to that festival uh, every September, third weekend in September. Other restaurants, gosh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of um, the Alvarado Street Brewing Company. These are downtown Monterey, Alvarado Street Brewing Company. Uh, J.C. Hill is a young brewer, and uh, not only is the beer great, but um, Brandon Miller is his new chef, and Brandon is well-known here on the peninsula. And together, J.C. and Brandon put together a, um, uh, a terrific terrific uh, lunch and and dinner menu. Down in um, Carmel, boy, uh, someone would have to tell you this, but (laughs) write it down. You go to La Belena, uh, the whale, and that's um, run by some dear friends. They've come out of the the restaurant, opened up about five or six years ago, small, rustic Italian, right off of uh, Ocean Avenue. La Belena. I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss that. And then the newest place down there in Carmel-by-the-Sea is 7th and Dolores. It's a chop house. And it's a, uh, it's a project of the ownership of uh, Folktale Winery, a group out of Boston that has taken over the old Chateau Julien in uh, Carmel Valley and kind of rebuilt the whole thing. And now they've opened uh, their first restaurant. down in. Uh, and then you go to Carmel Valley. And for your, you're there on a Saturday or a Sunday wine tasting, and you stop at the Corkscrew uh, Cafe, wood-fired pizzas, a Joris Family uh, uh, Restaurant, just super duper. And uh, gosh, Rustica, there in the valley too, can't um, can't beat that. So any, and if you want some cowboy cuisine, you go, <laughs> you go to the Running Iron. And you'll see some cowboys and uh, horses tied up there as well on, uh, on weekends. So really, really a fun place to, uh, to spend a weekend, especially when you're coming out of Napa and all. Napa, we, uh, our hearts go out to the fire victims. But um, come down here and maybe see what Napa looked like 50, 60 years ago. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.